All right. <laughs> it is time for Counterpoint, which, of course, is brought to you by our friends over at Pizzaville. You can see them online at pizzaville.ca or give them a call, 416-736-3636. On the show, on the Counterpoint, we've got Steven Kersner. Oh, this is a very, you wrote yourself a very nice long title. Let me uh, let me give it a try. Broadcaster, we had 30-year broadcaster, Canadian icon, also known as Ed the Sox, you can watch him on FUNetwork.tv, where Stephen hosts two political shows, the No Bullpen and the Kersner Expedition, available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and every other podcast service in the known universe. Welcome. Hey, thank you. By the way, I That think, does not fit on a card. By the way, I think that uh, when you, every time you say counterpoint, mm. you should have a music sting. Should I? Like a second and a half. Every time you say counterpoint, there should be some, like, old, remember that old The Current Affair? You need some kind of every time you say it, and it'll get annoying. Oh, perfect! Yeah, that's what I I, I know that sponsor. It's exciting. Sp- yeah, it's what I there, need. There you go. <laughs> Nothing like a bit of Catherine McKenna to turn my sponsors off, and of course, waiting patiently, Mr. Peter Sherman, who is a part of the team. Of course, covering off mornings here for uh, Mike Stafford. Is he still out? Apparently so. All right, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to bed after I talk to you. I bet you are. <laughs> of course, uh, you know him for who he is and uh, all his background. So good to have you both. Um, let's get right to it. The big story, of course, today. This thing took a turn really, really fast. You know, last couple of days it's been simmering in the headlines, but certainly uh, we learned this afternoon suddenly that two missing teens are now the actual prime suspects in the murder of two hikers and possibly a third man. But again, I come back to this. Uh, the RCMP, very slow in putting information out. And now, of course, they're scrambling to warn the public at large that these guys are armed, dangerous, and who knows where they are. But this seems to me to be a running theme in this country. And um, I'll start with you on this, Steve, because you'll disagree with me. But, you know, <laughs> we have secrecy all the time. You know, the police what? are very slow in giving information. And then, of course, when they need to get the information, it's like, well, you could have told us this a day ago. They just wait. Okay, well, so your complaint is that the police are not telling us every step of their investigation. Well, they never did. I expect them to say something. Well, they, something. they were slow to, to give us information, possibly because they were slow to get information and confirm information. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, sometimes you don't want to, if you think you've got serial killers or people who are on a spree, you don't want to put that in the media because then the, the the killers know you're on to them. Of course, and you they do. Go you want un- to protect go, the they, public at large. They go they go to ground and they they hide more. Mm. And I mean that's just that's just one of the policing concerns. I'm not saying this is the case in this case. It sounds like this took a weird turn. It sounds like they didn't ex- suspect these two guys, and now all of a sudden it went from people being missing to people being killers. That's you can't expect the police to be Kreskin um, and know that this is the way it's going to go. Don't insult Kreskin. I've met Kreskin. Okay? I've met he Kreskin predicted too. The, he predicted the second uh, win did, for the did, series. Did he ever shake your hand? Yes. Yeah, yes, he almost I took my arm off. <laughs> um, but, but anyway, I think that the problem is that we sit here and we're armchair cops. Uh, so, uh, there's there's reasons. There's police procedures, and also if you they start coming out with stuff before they have actual information, solid information, they can be sued. Oh, wow. You've, you've totally had eaten the talking points. Good job. I don't agree with anything uh, Steve says, Peter, because um, I've never seen it this kind of secretive in my career. Um, we always had a good flow of information between the police and the press. And the bottom line is when it comes to the public safety at large, they don't have a choice, and they shouldn't have a choice as to when they get information out. They have an obligation to warn the public. 
They don't have an obligation to warn the public about everything, every moment of the day as they're developing a situation. This was two stories, remember, Alex. It was these two uh, apparently fine people, the Australian young man and the uh, the American girl. They were on a tour around North America, particular to BC, in a van, and they were having a great time, apparently very much in love. All of this nice stuff coming out of their families. They're missing. Then there are missing persons reports about these two young people. And if you listen to what the father said, uh, of father of one of the boys, these are great kids. They just graduated high school. They're wonderful. They all, they you take a look at their that. pictures. They all, yeah, they do. And, and so you read the stuff and you take them uh, at face value and you take them separately. Now the, the, in the work that obviously was done behind the scenes, the RCMP, uh, put these, these two, incidents together and we are now looking for uh, a couple of young men who for all we know could be listening to us tonight and be in toronto i don't know and and turn yourselves in well if they are you turn yourselves in it doesn't look like they're running to do it but the point that uh, steve made is correct there are things that happen uh in policing where for reasons maybe you're going to panic some people by saying something like i just i just said if you're the police or maybe you're trying to find some people and you don't want you want to flush them out and you don't want to say we know where you are and we're coming for you so i I think what they've done is probably correct alex i think they're no you know what here's why i come at it because i i talked to two cops yesterday both said that burned out was a dead giveaway that there's some kind of connection between the teams. Fine. We're not going to armchair quarterback that. But when you're talking about public safety at large and the fact that these guys have been on the run now for days, possibly. I don't expect them to air out investigate. I've done enough investigative. Uh, but you did know, they know they were on the run? They still they just thought they were missing. They, well, we don't know. But again, they put out information that, that, that some guy from Texas had crossed the border. He was their suspect. And then about half an hour later, they come out and say, no, the teens are on the run. Bottom line is, and the RCMP haven't been great about this. What's the secrecy? Like, where are you seeing secrecy? Well, they've waited days. If they they, felt that there was a spree killing going on days ago or said, you know, look, we don't know, but we got to keep our eyes, you know, keep your eyes peeled. They should have put something out. It's a big word, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And also, we don't even know if these two kids actually did it. They're suspects. They're missing and they're suspects. (laughs) Okay. We don't know. I mean, we've just seen too many things in the past where um, suspects have turned out to not necessarily be the people who actually did it. Because, look, like you said, they thought it was a guy from Texas, and then all of a sudden it's it's two kids. Tomorrow it could be somebody else. It's good to be cautious. Well, if the RCMP are that bad at their job, then they really should be. Uh, well, let me, let me say this in response to what Steve just said. I think we do know that there's something fishy here. Why? Because in, in the last uh, number of hours, so half a day today, the RCMP has gone public and said, these are the people who we, we suspect... And this is cross Canada. So somebody would have spotted. They've even got a picture of them in a different car, a little gray car somewhere in Saskatchewan. And so they must have some leads or they must be asking people. They're obviously no, they're asking people now. for leads. That's right. Now they're so, desperate. So this, this is a developing story. And, and like I said, if it's a big word. If it's a big word. All right. We'll see who... Uh and it's hard to picture. I mean, they look like the, any couple of putzes you'd see in Starbucks. Not really. They're six foot four, 180 pounds. They're big boys. Okay, I'm 5'2". Everyone's, t- <laughs> everyone's taller than so me. So you look All like right? a putz we'd see in Starbucks. Yeah. No, you won't find me in Starbucks. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, th- th- their faces are unremarkable. Mm, well, that's okay. Mm. Uh, well, for the second time in days... We learned, at least this time we learned, that there was another NCR patient at uh, KMH who had waltzed out. Ahmed Suleiman is the name, 27, found not criminally responsible for a number of armed robberies back in 2012. He was reported missing Monday, and the Toronto police got him that day. 
Here's a guy, Peter, known to walk away, known to be dangerous when he doesn't take his meds, and yet he's still at unescorted day passes. Do you get the sense that KMH can't house these cases, or is it time to revisit the issue of where we house and how we deal with NCR cases? Because well, There's no doubt that there's a problem there. There's, there's a big problem there. I covered this one uh, earlier today myself, and I looked at the, the circumstances, and although this guy uh, is, is nothing like uh, the fellow who escaped overseas, well, not uh, in other words, he, he didn't, he didn't like kill anybody with a meat cleaver, yeah. um, all of the, the elements he had unsupervised, day passes he was uh, otherwise uh, schizophrenic he didn't like to stay on his meds a very a, a great number of similarities so you have to ask the question CAMH has a great reputation in terms of treatment CAMH is quickly destroying the reputation in terms of being able to house these people and see to it that they don't escape and uh, last week when we dealt with uh, what was his name again Shen Yes. I, uh, yeah. So uh, with, with him. I call him the cleaver killer, but you, you well, call him what you want. Oh, whatever that's, that's we great. want. Well, so this guy, <laughs> we didn't know for uh, almost two weeks that he had escaped. Mm-hmm. And the police kept it under wraps. There's there's an issue of police. So the police need to be investigated. Cam H, for letting him out, needs to be investigated. Uh, the way we handle mental uh, patients in general probably has to be looked into. I know that there's a greater allocation of money from the, uh, the PC government for mental health treatment, but we're not doing this right, and we have too many people out there who are unsupervised in Cam H. My guess is it's overloaded, and so in that review, we have to figure out whether or not they can do what they're charged with doing. I don't know. I I have a problem, the fact that we, if you know, if the guy's such a risk and he's got a propensity to walk away and if he's off his meds, the guy should not have unescorted Well, we don't know if he's off, we don't know if he's off his meds. Well, I mean, if he's walked away from the facility. He has a possibility that he goes off. You really are a trusting guy. The truth is that anybody who's on antipsychotic meds or whatever, uh, the risk is they could go off their meds, and and fortunately there are there is a percentage that think I'm fine now, and they go because those meds are actually pretty horrible yeah. um, with their side effects. Right. So I understand that, but um, you know you, you know who who stays at CAMH is people with 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 mental conditions, and but we're talking can, I'm talking specifically you have to, to let NCR, them out and get, no, not NCR, not people who have killed or a danger or threat to the so public. Should, I'm not talking we, about everyone. I'm so, talking about okay. a federal plan. Okay, so should we do what the, what the what the what our, our wonderful premier said and just throw the key away? I think in some cases I think we have to be honest and I think this is the problem is that we get very emotional about this topic. It's not that, you know, not all NCR are dangerous and not all of them meant to kill somebody or hurt somebody, but the problem is they can't be cured and they are sick and they do pose a threat. Are we just going to be naive and polite about this? I mean, we we need a system to make sure that the the public at large can be confident federally right across the board. How are we going to deal with these cases? We have a system. We need to review that system because clearly, if the last two weeks can tell us anything, it's not working correctly. That said, I don't want to take anything away from CAMH because we need CAMH. And in fact, we need to improve what we supply by way of mental health services because our population is beset with all kinds of problems that we don't even hear about. And I wonder also, these two cases, out of how many cases? Apparently one every other day. No, but not but, necessarily no, but how, NCR. But, but, but how many of these NCR people that go out on these day passes, how many of them are there? How statistically try finding important that out. is this? Well, again, try finding that out. It's impossible to find out the information. Well, I guess because there's KMH a lot of medical has not spoken publicly. The cops, everyone's right now hiding behind the review, and we'll look into it. So we're not getting information.
Nearing Peter Sherman's bedtime. In fact, I think it's past it, but we've got Peter Sherman <laughs> in with good. He'll be cranky. Steve Kurzer for round two of Counterpoint, brought to you by our friends at Pizzaville. You can get them online at pizzaville.ca or call them 416-736-36. This came down late uh, this afternoon. A change could be coming to the uh, federal election, albeit I don't think it will happen. But uh, there was a challenge brought into a Toronto uh, court by a Conservative Party of Canada candidate. And the judge actually sent the matter back to the chief electoral officer um, to review it, basically saying, I don't know if this warrants a change of an election date, but you got to make sure you've proportionately balanced charter rights with the statutory uh, mandate. And the candidate brought it forward because in her riding, it's a very Jewish area. 75,000 of those voters are Orthodox Jews, which means they can't vote and do anything else. And the problem, I think, for some is that the advanced polling days, uh, most of them fall on other holy days. I'm not sure where you sit on this, Steve. Uh, I'll come to you after Peter because I know where he stands on this. But nonetheless, B'nai B'rith says massive victory. You say what? You're asking me? Yeah, should they change the date? Well, I, I'm of two minds on this, Alex. I've got to tell you. I, I really admire Michael Mostyn, who runs B'nai B'rith. I know the Orthodox community because I worked with it for a number of years, and I understand the passion that they bring to it. I'm I'm Jewish, and I'm not particularly uh, religious. Are you Orthodox? I, not at all. Uh, and That's in why. fact, I would say non-practicing. Right. So the, I'm proud of the, the heritage, but Shemini Etzeret, which is the name mm-hmm. of this holiday, doesn't mean anything to me. And there might be Jewish people listening who say, well, it should. Well, maybe it should, but it doesn't. So uh, on, on that uh, element, I don't care, but I'm happy for them. That said, there's this whole other thing. If you set an election day, the reason that you have advanced polls and the ability to do a mail-in ballot, all of that kind of stuff, is because things might happen this way. And in a country like this, where we have so many different backgrounds, it's technically possible to almost be able to say that if you put an election on any day of the year, somebody might be offended or somebody might not be available to vote. That being the case, how do you set election days? Well, the answer is you set them somewhere where they are supposed to fall, and you do the appropriate uh, arrangements, being advanced polls or whatever it happens to be. And I'm hoping that what happens is, in this case, election day stays on the 21st of October. Why don't they and just do it in November? There's no, like, there's no, are there any major holidays in November? November's just such no, a write-off for, of a well, month. Like, there's it nothing. depends. The, 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 the so Jewish calendar and the, I don't think the secular yeah. calendar, They because the Jewish calendar has a, you have leap years regularly they have a leap month so it it, the unit i don't even know when things are happening and i am a practicing jew but not orthodox and i think that there's enough jews in the in the country that when you're setting an election date maybe check that out but um also (laughs) but but to peter's point um I mean, you should make sure that, that the advance polls don't fall on religious dates. There's a concentration of dates in the fall. There's seven that, yeah, holy that, that are days. That if you're very, very observant, those are very, very important holidays. So to have an election in the fall, yeah, it's, it's not a Yom minefield. Kippur. I mean, that would no. be a totally different but you, conversation. But even, even, even if it's Rosh Hashanah, which is not yeah. Yom Kippur in its, in its seriousness, but it's also a serious holiday, you can't, if you're Orthodox, you can't vote. Mm. But there are mail-in votes. There are other ways to go about it. So I think on one hand... Um, they should they should go ahead with the election as it is. Uh, just make sure that uh, that the options are there for people who can mail in or can go in and advance polls, and then it becomes the responsibility of the person yeah. uh, of that faith. That to me is to, the easiest to take way. the effort right. to to go in and, and vote.
Let's talk about guns. Uh, with all the talk of handgun bans, and we hear it all the time, uh, the Toronto Sun's got a pretty shocking report, and I don't know if you saw this, Peter, but uh, Brian Lilly obtained documents from the RCMP, which reveals stolen or lost guns. Uh, and he actually, the documentation shows it within several agencies, but some of the numbers from 2005 to 2019, 640 guns were lost, 173 stolen. In 2015, 10 submachine guns went missing. Another three in the following years. In the military, 559 guns were lost, 14 others stolen. We have done such a big job, uh, Steve, of uh, you know demonizing legal gun owners, but I'm looking at these papers and saying, uh, maybe the who's, people in charge... Who's done that? I haven't seen any demonized legal gun No, there's gun been owners. a huge push to demonize legal gun no, owners and that, go after the issue, but again, I think those the issue in charge... Is why, are pe- why are people having handguns? No, I, I think the no, issue no, here, no, though, no, is no, that no, no. maybe these agencies should get their uh, own proverbial crap in order no, before two they... two separate issues here. Uh, the the issue that I see here that's important is why are these agencies losing track of guns? That uh, the the handgun issue for individuals to me separate issue. No, bigger, not really. The, I don't. I think I'm you can complete these about, because because the 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 issue is that they're lecturing about all these things and proper storage and all these things. And yet they can't well, even keep their proves, own? That proves the case even more. If people who uh, are trained to keep their handguns and their, their, their weapons properly secured aren't doing it, that gives even more reason to say, well, people who aren't fully trained probably shouldn't be having these weapons either. I have more but faith Steve, in legal gun owners sorry. than you are, CMP. You don't have the numbers on that. And that's, what, that's what's missing. Brian Lilly's a good journalist. And what he's missing is the numbers of guns that have gone uh, amiss on the part of private citizen gun owners. Well, because we don't have that data. No, we, there's, uh, by the way, there's no data available. They well, don't keep that no. data. They well, do well, not keep that data. If you lost your gun, who reports it? Do you I they don't know have national data. stats. So, again, the, they're making all these policies on nothing. The bottom line here is we have a handgun ban, and that's the thing that nobody wants to say. I say it. We have a handgun ban. If, if what you're talking about is a total, an absolute ban, so you can't have sports shooting, you can't have a strong box, you can't have a gun license to own one of these things and you can't sell these things in stores but you still have a a police force at the federal level that can lose that many uh, firearms then why even bother i know why not just let everybody have a gun and we'll go become the united states that's right uh you know when your neighbor buys a bad barbecue um do you want to go and buy the same barbecue um, which is an odd metaphor, but we see what happens in the states where everybody has guns. Not something I want replicated here, and I but don't we'll think that's going to that. happen. It's, it's not going to happen. But, but again, the people in charge can't even keep their own stuff together. Well, that, see, like, that, that to me is, is the issue. Well, the yeah. issue is why. I, I'm not talking about personal handguns. I'm talking about why are the why are they losing these guns? How? Where's the lack of control? Listen, I remember. Where's the lack of Where's the lack of information, Steve? Well, the lack of information about how they lose it. <laughs> well, no, they, this is the first we're hearing about it. I mean, you have, you have to again. You got to go really looking because they're not telling us. If you're an agency like that and you're losing guns, you can understand why they're not going to put out a press release. Uh, but it is an issue because those guns that are being that are lost uh, or stolen, they're not. They don't just disappear. They wind up. People who steal weapons tend to steal weapons because they can't get them legally. Therefore, they're going to probably wind up in the hands of people who are going to use them for illegal purposes. Or this maybe, is a or major maybe it's concern. a within uh, operation. Maybe there's something we don't know. What they're selling yeah, from but here's, here's the thing about you this. You never know. If these belong to police forces, yep. even if we had an absolute handgun ban, you're still going to have guns in the hands of That's police right. forces, and you're still going to lose them if they're not handling them the way they're supposed to. And what, what Brian Lilly's piece proves is they're not. That's right. Yeah, All right. This is a concern. And we agree on most of it.
time. <laughs> All right. I got to leave it there, guys. But I thank you both very much. Uh, Peter, of course, you can listen to Peter Sherman. He'll be up bright and early for uh, the morning show. So have a good uh, sleep and we'll listen to you then. Thank you. Thank you. And of course, Steve Kerger. Appreciate you coming in. Thank you. I'll- Any other little titles you'd like to throw out there? I think you got most, most of the of ones. The, most of the ones you didn't truncate at the beginning are, are probably <laughs> fine. But uh, I'll take my my butt out to Holland Landing now. And, All right. Well, and you can listen to me on the way home. I, I appreciate you. Yeah, and you know I do. All right. That is uh, Counterpoint for tonight, which, of course, brought to you by our friends at Pizzaville. Go to pizzaville.ca or call them on the phone, 416-736-3636.